Let's talk books for a few minutes today. I love books. When I was younger and in college and in graduate school, I would often read for several hours every day, and I absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. But I've had several questions about the types of books that I read, and books and pipes tend to go well together. I've discovered that most, not all, but most people who enjoy pipes also enjoy good reading material. They do seem to go somewhat hand in hand. So I'm going to spend just a few moments today going through a few books that have been some of my favorites in recent years and were instrumental to me in different ways. But this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, I could talk about books for hours on end with you. But this is just a little introduction. This may, in fact, become a series that I decide to pursue with the YouTube channel, uh, Books and Pipes. So this may very, very well be the first installment in a new series entitled Books and Pipes. Don't have a pipe lit up right now. Um, sorry about that. Should have a pipe lit up when you're talking about books, but it's difficult to smoke a pipe and talk repeatedly at the same time. First book I want to talk about is a book about the history of tobacco farming. This book is entitled A Golden Weed, Tobacco and Environment in the Piedmont South, written by uh, Dr. Drew Swanson. I'm just not going to spend a whole lot of time on each one of these books, but I do want to read a little bit about what's going on in it just from the inside cover. Swanson brings to his narrative the experience of having grown up on a working Virginia tobacco farm, explores how one attempt at agricultural permanence went seriously awry. He weaves together social, agricultural, and cultural history of the southern Piedmont and illustrates how ideas about landscape management became entangled uh, in the landscape and so forth. And he goes on to talk about uh, the challenging perception, perceptions of, of the South and what it means to be a farmer in the region and what it meant to be a tobacco farmer uh, years and years ago. It really chronicles the history of tobacco farming uh, from the antebellum period through to very much the present day. So if you're interested in a pretty neat but somewhat in-depth scholarly history of tobacco farming in the South, I can recommend A Golden Weed by Drew Swanson. Now, when I first started studying history, I had a very good uh, friend of mine recommended that I read material that was written much earlier than most material that is, that is um, printed and taught in, in history classes today. But this is one of those books that I read many years ago, The Waning of the Middle Ages. This is a history book, another history book, and it's by Johann Wazinga, and um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I've never really heard anybody pronounce his name. That's just how I read it, Johann Wazinga. The Waning of the Middle Ages is the main thing you need to know. It's the title. But listen to what this is about. This classic study of art, life, and thought in France and the Netherlands during the 14th and 15th centuries ranks as one of the most perceptive analyses of the medieval period. Why study medieval history? 
Well, this book teaches you why you need to know something about medieval history. The book argues that the era of diminishing chivalry reflected the spirit of an age and that its figures and events were neither a prelude to the Renaissance nor harbingers of a coming culture, but a consummation of the old. So what the book is talking about is the waning of the age of chivalry, the decline of the period where gentlemen were gentlemen and ladies were proud of it. Uh, I can't recommend this book enough. It's not only excellent history, it's fantastic literature. It's a great one. Um, Cicero. Another book that I can heartily recommend is Cicero, a good classic. Uh, On the Good Life. You can pick this up from Penguin Classics for probably 10 or $15. Not that much money. Cicero, On the Good Life. Now, I read this years ago as a teenager, and it's replete with notes and, and, and things and, and highlighted quotes that I made at that time. And uh, I just want to pick one or two. I mean, they're everywhere. But let me pick one or two out that might be interesting to you. It's been a long time since I've read this book. But here, let's do this. The man who is entirely self-sufficient as regards all the necessary ingredients for leading a happy life so that these do not in any way depend on other people's good or bad luck or dangle at the uncertain mercy of someone else's fortune, he is the person who has found the right way to live. And he talks about this philosophy being formulated by Plato. And if you haven't read the classics, if you have not had an introduction to the classics, I would say that Cicero's on the Good Life is a fantastic introduction to the classical world of European literature. Um, another book, if you're interested in American society, American culture, Russell Kirk, The Roots of American Order. Uh, this was written many years ago, probably in the 70s, I think. But the back of the book says, that here's the description. What holds America together? In this classic work, Russell Kirk describes the beliefs and institutions that have nurtured the American soul and the American commonwealth. Russell Kirk, for those of you who do not know, was an extremely important writer in the 1950s and the 1960s. After the Second World War, there was a decline in traditional conservatism in the United States. And Russell Kirk went to the University of Scotland, no, excuse me, the University of St. Andrews in Edinburgh, I believe is where it is. And he wrote his doctoral dissertation on a history of conservative thought. He entitled it The Conservative Mind. And conservatism and its history has far more to do than what you might think of when you consider conservatism in modern American politics. It's not always the same thing. Uh, and so... If you want to better understand a more traditional perspective of where American society originates, why it matters, in the larger scheme of things, I would recommend The Roots of American Order by Russell Kirk. He was from Michigan. He was an outstanding author. I've been to his home a couple times. Haven't didn't meet him. He died in 94, but I've been to his home. I've seen his massive library, which is the envy of any scholar. 
but very quickly, let me read some more of this. Beginning with the Hebrew prophets, Kirk examines in dramatic fashion the sources of American order. His analytical narrative might be called a tale of five cities, Jerusalem, Athens, Rome, London, and Philadelphia, for an understanding of the significance of America at the dawn of a new century. Russell Kirk's masterpiece on the history of American civilization is unsurpassed. I always enjoyed this book. I used to use this book to teach when I taught American history at Mississippi State University as a graduate student. Uh, a lot of people are interested in Civil War narratives now. And I cannot tell you the amount of people who have mentioned Shelby Foote in their comments on my YouTube content. And for good reason. I don't have a co I don't, my copy of Foote's narrative is in the house, so I don't have it out here. But if you've never read anything about the Civil War, and even if you think you know everything about the Civil War, you need to read Shelby Foote's Civil War narrative. It took him 20 years to write it. I never had the chance to meet Mr. Foote, but just like Mr. Kirk, I knew many people who had the opportunity to become friends with Mr. Foote. So sort of secondhand acquaintances, uh, secondhand stories about him, I guess you might say. Um, I've read uh, Foote's narrative of the Civil War, I know, three times now. First time I read it, I took a summer as a 19-year-old uh, person, as a teenager, and I read it. took three months, and I read it. And the last time I read it was after I finished my dissertation in 2019. It's overdue. I think I might read it for the fourth time before the year is out. But other than Foote, I would have to say that you got to read Michael Scherer's Killer Angels. Of course, many of you already know that this is the novel that the movie Gettysburg was based on. Gettysburg filmed in the early 90s and uh, still one of my absolute favorite films of all time. Although I do think Robert Duvall is a far better General Lee in Gods and Generals than uh, uh, What's-His-Face was in Gettysburg. I forgot his name now. I, I cannot believe that. I forgot the name of the man who played Lee in Gettysburg. But but uh, uh, Duval did it much better in Gods and Generals. But anyway, for reading material, The Killer Angels. Got to have that. Now, I spent five years of my life in Mississippi. I went to graduate school there, and after my wife were married, we lived there for a couple of years while I was finishing my dissertation. We had a 20-acre a farm in... Um, Eastern Mississippi, just absolutely enjoyed our time there. God put us in that part of the South for a very special season in our marriage and in our life. And we were ministered to by the community, and hopefully we were able to minister uh, to the community as well. But when I was there, I encountered the literature of Larry Brown. Now, most people, of course, know Oxford, Mississippi, uh, the place where William Faulkner was from. But also from Oxford is Larry Brown. And the book that I like best of all from him is entitled Billy Ray's Farm. Now, this is sort of a... He uses some coarse language in here. I would not, I would not recommend reading this book to your children at bedtime. But... Uh, USA Today said of this book that Brown will show you another America, his America, and dare you to try again to forget that it still exists. Essentially, this is a story of Brown and his son trying to 
create a cattle farm in North Mississippi. It is agricultural literature, but it is Southern, and I think it appeals to a large uh, reading audience. See, more people should read Brown than what, than what do. If you don't mind the coarse language on occasion, I think you really can't go wrong with reading Larry Brown. He's, he's got something to teach. He's not alive now. He died, I think, of a heart attack in his 50s, probably because he drank a whole lot. But <laughs> writers are notoriously uh, bad for over-moderating with the uh, libations, but it, Larry Brown, his, his writing is just fantastic. Uh, going back in time, I'm almost done. I got just one or two more books I want to talk about. I read this probably 15 years ago. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on the Upper South, the Upcountry South, the Mountain South, whatever you want to call it. And this book here is one of the main uh, pieces of literature that people go to when they want to understand the Appalachian Mountains. And it's Our Southern Highlanders, uh, written by Horace Kephart. Uh, just listen to this on the, on the back of the book. During the more, the more than 60 years since it was first published, Our Southern Highlanders has been the standard by which all other books on the Southern Mountain region are judged. No other book on the Southern Appalachians is more widely known or cited. So he's writing about his experiences in the Southern Appalachian Mountains in the early 1900s. We're talking about like 1904, 1905, through the end of his life in 1931. And uh, the mountains were still very much 19th century at that time. They were, you could go to um, uh, the Appalachian Mountain region in 1905, and it probably would not have looked that much different than it had looked in 1850. Uh, and that could not be said for many other parts, uh, particularly in the eastern United States at that same point in time. And so Kephart has a lot to tell us about the importance of appreciating the natural world and appreciating the environment that surrounds us. One writer that I do not have a book from sitting in front of me here, uh, again, his books are in the house, I don't have them out here, is uh, Mr. Wendell Berry from Kentucky. Uh, Wendell Berry is known far and wide as the voice of American agrarianism, uh, and he's still alive today. Uh, perhaps Foote and Berry are the two authors that people will know the most about on this reading list. Uh, but I admire Mr. Berry's literature for his ability to remind us as Americans where we've come from and how much we have lost by removing ourselves from a land-based lifestyle and how much is, is, is still in danger of being lost as the country becomes increasingly more urban and increasingly global in its economy. So I admire Barry. I don't always agree with everything he says, um, but I do ad admire his stalwart agrarian philosophy. So that's it. That's, I've got many other books that I could talk about that I will talk about, but uh, I hope that you've enjoyed just this brief introductory uh, commentary on a few books that I think will be worth your time if you've not read them already. But I'm interested in hearing from you. Uh, leave a comment below about what books you would add to this list or perhaps books you would take away from this list. I'm interested to know what you as pipe people enjoy reading. 
I am extraordinarily fascinated by that topic. So do please leave a comment. Uh, give us a like if you haven't. Uh, 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 if you like the video, if you haven't subscribed, please do that. If you know somebody who's just getting started in pipe smoking, send them this video or send them a link to our channel in some way, and maybe we can encourage them in their newfound hobby and their newfound uh, pleasure. In the meantime, until we meet again, I am Alan Harrelson with the Old Carolina Pipe Cottage. Thank you for spending some time with me today.